All right. Hello and welcome to I Think You're Interesting. I'm Todd Vanderwerf, the I, and I think you're interesting. And if you're like millions upon millions of fellow Americans, you spent this weekend at the movies seeing the new Marvel film Black Panther, which for my money is one of the best Marvel movies and one of the best superhero movies in quite some time. It's it's a really thoughtful and engaging story beyond just the superheroics, which are also a lot of fun. There's a lot to unpack in there, and there's a lot to unpack in the look of the movie, which is wonderfully fantastical in a way that I don't think I've seen before, drawn heavily from elements from African tribes and and kingdoms and countries. And uh, a lot of that is thanks to the costumes of Ruth Carter. Uh, Ms. Carter has done many, many of my favorite movies. She's done a lot of work with Spike Lee, including his seminal films, Do the Right Thing and Malcolm X. And she's worked with Steven Spielberg on Amistad. She's worked with Ava DuVernay on Selma. She worked with Joss Whedon on Serenity, which is uh, uh, just like a random movie I will always watch when it comes on on cable. But she's worked with so many great directors, and this, this is her first superhero movie, and this is the first time I've gotten to talk to somebody who designs superhero costumes, which is something I'm always interested in, which is, you know, how on earth do they make things that actors are going to be able to wear all day that also are going to look like superhero suits. So Ruth and I talked about that, but we also talked about her career. We talked about her philosophies of costume design, and we talked about what it's been like working with Spike Lee for decades at this point. And I think we had a lot of fun talking, and I look forward to you listening. Great to have you here, Ruth. Thank you for having me. So I saw the movie uh, just the other night, Black Panther, uh, and thought it was fantastic. And I'm not somebody who notices costumes. Like, I'm not somebody who's like, oh, that was a great. Yeah. But I thought I just was blown away by them throughout. Ooh, I was so. I, I mean, I noticed them because I knew I was talking to you, but I also noticed them because, like, they were so interesting and, and colorful oh, and, good. and exciting to look at. But I kind of want to ask, start with, like, when you do a project like this, mm-hmm. like that superhero costume Mm -hmm. you know it comes from the comics but also like it's been in other movies how much room do you have to play with that when you come in and start on a project like this well black panther was unique in that the world of wakanda had not been established Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of room Mm. and uh The Black Panther uh, habit, as they call it, uh, was in Civil War, Mm -hmm. uh, but we were creating within our story a new panther suit. So he starts out in the Civil War uh, suit or habit, you know, I don't know Mm -hmm. which one to call it at times, um, and then he gets his new suit. So the um, Marvel machine is very involved. Uh, There's a genius illustrator there. Uh, He runs the visual development department, Ryan Miterding. He designs the panther suit. Right. And uh, they have their their uh, chosen few that they are actually very hands-on with. Right. Um, that includes the Dora Milaje, as well as uh, Suri's um, uh, fighting suit. But um, I welcomed uh, the, their collaboration. Um, I was flattered that uh, they chose me to hand these illustrations over to, to um, infuse the uh, African, you know, influences and create them and make them come to life. Um, There's a lot to costume design that goes uh, beyond the actual illustrating that I feel my team was very meticulous about um, create the creation. And so the latitude just within that um, opens up the playing field uh, so that you can, you know, give things a story. Um, you can actually create. And there were so many other aspects to Wakanda, you know, the royal, the, the royal family, the mm-hmm. Wakandan community that needed to be designed. So I welcomed the collaboration. I I, and I needed it because yeah. they know the comic books much better than I, and they know what their fans are going to be looking for. So um, it, it was, you know, really good. And Ryan Coogler, of course, you know, goes without saying, he, he really had his finger on the pulse of, you know, what pop culture was, um, you know, was you know doing at the time so he he knew how to infuse that too well you mentioned ryan you've worked with so many 
huge directors. So many that people that that like if I say their names, like you, Spike Lee, you've worked with Steven Spielberg, you've worked with Ava DuVernay, you've worked with some of these really great directors, really big names. Like, what's that relationship like? Is that relationship different with every director in terms of what they're giving you or what they're asking for, or or does it, is is there kind of a consistent mm-hmm. a consistency to that sort of thing? Well, directors are artists, and mm-hmm. every artist is different, and you have to meet that artist uh, on a collaborative level. So you uh, you need to kind of you know be gentle and be a good listener and figure out which way they would like to communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, the communication is uh, the the step to uh, collaboration, right. and when you have someone like Spike who is very hands on, and then you have someone like Stephen who wants to uh, initially see what your offering is, and then you know pick specific things to spin off and talk about, you really need to not assume that because they are all titled director Mm -hmm. that they're all going to come at you from the same kind of uh, way. So I I usually want to get to know them as people and as artists and get in their head and understand what what they're most concerned about and attack those things that they're concerned about and be on their team and on their side. And uh, from there, I'm allowed to, you know, the trust builds and I'm allowed to create, too, and bring my ideas even more so to the front. And mm-hmm. so I, I really love that process of, of collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that these are, you know, these are characters who uh, have to move, you mm-hmm. know, in Black Panther. They have to be able to have full range of movement. They have to be able to fight in those costumes. They have to be able to look great doing it. Um, but it also has to be like you have to imagine in your head how that's like a practical fighting uniform, if yes. you will. How did you approach that challenge? Because it's, it's a tough one in any action-type movie. Well, I was a student of the superhero suit and Mm -hmm. (laughs) on this one, especially since I had never done one before. Mm. So I had really experienced uh, assistants helping me, and they um, showed me the Euro jersey that's used for superhero suits. And you start with this white four-way stretch flat fabric Mm. that comes from Europe somewhere (laughs) that, you know, they take the holiday in August, and you've got to get your your order in way in advance because they run out. There's so many superheroes being built and we have to build 12 and some other movie has to build 20. So if we don't get our order in, we won't have the proper fabric for the superhero suit. I mean, it's super crazy. Um, And they actually guided me through the process and and let me know, okay, here's where you put your design in. You know, we are going to get the jersey. We're going to dye it black. It starts white. We're going to dye it black. And then we're going to, you know, what is the surface pattern? Mm -hmm. What does the pattern on the surface of the suit look like? We have our illustration from Ryan Meiderding. It, It gives you the language to a point. And then there's another point where I take over. So um, all of those things are examined and we do tests and um, it's a four-way stretch that they can move in, that they can fight in. It still needs, like we brought in the uh, head cutter from the Boston Ballet uh, into Atlanta to give us, uh, you know, uh, a new suit that's cut with, for the stunt guys, that's cut with these special gusset shapes so that they could perform, you know, like the ballet. So... uh, it was a huge learning curve for me. Um, and like I said, I had really experienced people behind me that said, okay, you're on. Mm, yeah. Well, one of the things that I noticed about the film is um, we were t- talking a little bit more in this vein is the women's costumes mm. uh, are so well-designed and so um, so beautiful in terms of you can imagine like how they mm. how they use those in battle. And then when we see them use them in battle, it like, it like makes a lot of sense. And that is, um, let's say, a perpetual question in these sorts of movies where mm-hmm. uh, women are often costumed in a way that is objectifying yeah. and does not make sense yeah. for like that. How did you approach that question of like building beautiful mm-hmm. – I'm going to say gowns for lack of a better word. I don't know enough about it, but building beautiful uh, gowns that Mm -hmm. still are like practical fighting instruments. Yeah. Um, You know, sometimes uh, 
you know, the, well, first let me just say that Ryan, that was one of the uh, uh, suits that uh, Ryan Minerding's team uh, uh, started out for us. And, um, you know, my first reaction was like, wow, hey, like, I'm surprised there's no skin showing. And uh, Ryan Kugler was the one who said, you know, the Black Panther's walking around in a cat suit. Yeah. We don't want to have naked ladies following behind him talking about they're here to protect the king, you know. So, uh, you know, he didn't quite say it like that, but I'm saying it like that. Um, And it made sense that if there are the highest fighting force in Wakanda, if, um, you know, they are with the royal family, um, they need full protection. Mm-hmm. And um, as we were creating the costume, um, the design elements uh, were all um, placed in very attractive ways. I'll put it that way. So now that the suit is made, it's fully covering every inch of their body. It makes sense for fighting. They have um, they have metal armor pieces that are designed like jewelry. Mm. Um, they have a harness, is which I call it, that's been um, engineered to go around the body in a very lovely, very uh, fitted way. They have uh, um, what I call is sacred geometry, you know, the African um, striations and gold and red color of the Maasai tribe and beadwork that actually makes it a, um, uh, a poignant costume as well as like if you are fighting for the king or protecting the king, you have a, a certain rank in this Wakandan um, nation that's one of the highest ranked. And therefore, receiving this uniform for battle is an honor. Yeah. So the costume needs to look like it's uh, an honor to to adorn it. Um, and so I approached it in that manner. I um, every time we did a prototype, I needed to it needed to evoke some kind of emotion for sure. me. And uh, so we kept going back over. You know, how should this be made? Should it? I, I it needed to have like a hand done. Um, uh, element to it. So I hired a jewelry designer to come in and do some of the specialty uh, pieces. Uh, and then we molded from her prototype. Um, like I, the tabard in the front, I felt like if you're going to have a tabard in the front of your body, it should have a significant meaning. It maybe has some power. It could be laced with vibranium. It could have some trinkets that are protective for you that make it more personalized. So that tabber became like a canvas for uh, this uh, message that this uniform was going to convey and 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 make it even more glorious and special. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you're doing something like that, when you're sort of zeroing in on a look and giving notes and trying to get the right thing, is it better to do that at the illustration stage or do you have room to kind of play around once it's actually built? Yeah, I think it's the design process is never uh, finite at any one stage. Okay. So if a, an illustration comes across your table and this is what you're charged to do, you bring the elements forward and and you see that, you know, having a uh, vertical line down the center of the, the leggings is maybe not as the most attractive thing for the the look of the suit. And so you make small modifications and adjustments. When you get the actor, you see that, oh, maybe we need to chevron these lines to make it more attractive as opposed to straight horizontal lines here. And you make those adjustments. Um, I brightened the color because um, I felt like red can be a very intimidating color. It's mm-hmm. also very much used in the African, um, ancient African, tribal. It's a super color. And um, so I wanted it to be like bright and intimidating and you never took, could never take your eye off of them. So those things that you do as you create the costume is a big, huge part of costume design. You know, if, if we could just, you know, make people up the way, exactly the way they are written on, uh, or drawn on paper, we probably could just do animation. Not, yeah. Forget about the actors. 
<laughs> can you think, I mean, I'm sure everyone in Hollywood has thought that at one time or another, um, but can you think of a time when you had drawn something and thought like it, this yes. works really well on paper, but then when you built it and the, maybe when an actor put it on, you're like, okay, this isn't going to work. It doesn't have to be for this yeah. movie or. Yeah, no, I can always tell. Yeah. Um, when I look at, mm, you know, things that I'm creating or especially when I look at things some others have created i can always tell that it was a great sketch <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i'm probably like a lot of you i i said at the start of the year i need to get in shape i need to lose some weight uh, especially because i i as a critic have to keep seeing these superhero movies and just staring up at these impressive human specimens and then looking in the mirror and saying, oh, dear God, what have I done? Fortunately, there's Beachbody On Demand, which I have been using. They have some really great workout routines. They're an online fitness streaming service, and they give you unlimited access to a wide variety of highly effective world-class workouts personalized to meet your needs. I really was looking for some exercises that would help me, especially like burn fat. Uh, Beachbody, I've been able to find them, and like it's really helped my process because because I am not somebody who likes to work out, but I was able to find some stuff that I can fit into my daily routine of writing about superhero movies. So Beachbody On Demand also includes extensive nutritional content. It's all proven to help people achieve their health and fitness goals. It's the total package to help you become the total package this year. Plus, it's convenient. You can access it on your computer, your web-enabled TV, your tablet, your smartphone, anything that's got the web on it. You don't need to go to a gym or schedule a class. It's all right there on your personal device. You can do the workouts in your hotel room if you're traveling. And if you have no time, you can do stuff that's just 10 minutes. Like I've found a lot of those very helpful. And there's a program for any fitness level from like super fit superhero to uh, me. Like that's the scale we're operating on. They have nutritional help as well. Lots of diets and, and recipes and things like that that you can try out that will will be very tasty, but also very healthy for you. You can try this amazing program, all 600 workouts and nutritional information, guess what, for free. And then your annual subscription will be cheaper than a gym membership. So you need to give this service a try. Right now, my listeners can get a free trial membership when you text THINK to 303030303030. So you will get a full access to the entire platform for free. All the workouts, all the nutritional information, whatever you need for free. Text THINK to 303030. That's THINK to 303030. What do you think it is that maybe is a is a great sketch that doesn't translate into motion, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't kind of, you know, feel comfortable like, you know, saying it because it it criticizes my sure, sure, sure. my my compadres, you know. I I don't mean it that way. I mean more like what is it what is um in a more general sense? Yeah, like okay. what, what is something that looks great on paper but just sometimes doesn't work in action? Yeah, I think fantasy tends to go in that direction. Um you get these um illustrations that have, you know, the world behind them and the stars shooting and you know, the there's these fantastical drawings that that the art of the drawing is doing its job it's selling the costume yeah. um, but when you try to put that in practical terms the costume is wearing the person and not the other way around yeah, I feel that it it just it detracts from um, from the story at times. You know, I think uh, it probably has its place in certain places like, you know, I don't know, Cinderella. <laughs> but um, uh, for the most part, I feel like fantasy um, is in the minds of all of us in our artistry. And we want to create this fantastical world. Uh, but when we have to apply it. Uh, in the real world, on real people that, you know, we're, we're, we're you know, not nine heads tall, like, you know, fashion sketches, or we're not, uh, you know, the big, huge skirts or the, you know, uh, asymmetrical necklines and all that stuff just sometimes doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I really love about this movie is that so there's, you have to build a whole world. Mm -hmm. Like this movie has to build Wakanda mm -hmm. as a place that exists, as a place that has a history, as a place that has a story behind it. But obviously it can't, 
take too much time to tell us that story because we have to tell the story of, of Black Panther and, and all of this other stuff. So well, a lot of that is accomplished through the sets and costumes. Like a lot of the world build is accomplished through that. So tell me about approaching that challenge of like, we're going to explain what Wakanda is through clothing. Yeah, I I found that on the set when I dressed, you know, 500 people for, say, the Warrior Falls. And you get there and it's like a, uh, you know, scaffolding going up the back of it for mm-hmm. the actors to go to set. And then you've. There's a green screen that's uh, like the biggest green screen you've ever seen in your life circling the set. And there's really costumes there. Um, there's a pool of water. But, you know, when uh, T'Challa uh, he descends from the spaceship, like you were shown in the prep of the film and in the meetings uh, on the set, he's just walking down a set of stairs. It's mm-hmm. not a spacecraft. So... Um, you realize the importance of costumes and even the sci-fi superhero world that um, they are going to be the real things and the rest of the world is going to be the make-believe. And it it really kind of highlights your costumes in a a really nice way. Like you have a really great day on set because everybody's patting you on the back because they don't see anything else. And at the same time, uh, you have to remember and you have your visual references, um, but a lot of times you just have to remember that, you know, the team uh, at Marvel is going to, you know, bring the composition in together, that you've shared enough information, you know that they know what you're doing, you know what they're doing, and, you know, there is that trust factor. But, you know, it's pretty daunting, Um because, you know, the day is kind of uh, built around, you know, how long it's going to take everybody to get ready. Right. And uh, some things take, you know, two or three people to get them, you know, into the costumes. And so I kind of forgot your question. <laughs> well, I was thinking about how much of the design influence is explicitly African. Like if oh. we're imagining Wakanda as this fictional African kingdom, mm-hmm. like, and it has this kind of uh, almost uh, melting pot sense, mm-hmm. an African melting pot mm-hmm. sense to it. So I guess what I'm asking about is like, what was your research process like? Like, what were you looking at to build oh, yeah. this world? Yeah, yeah. well, the research process is kind of the best process. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's so much fun. I mean, you get all of your materials together, your books, the internet, you have your team that's doing research. Um, there was a guide uh, manual that was created by Hannah Beecher who uh, was the production designer, is the production designer. And um, they outlined, you know, where Wakanda was on the map. And they had their own map of the city of Wakanda and the different districts. So I actually had a, uh, a, a general idea of, you know, how the landscape laid out. We didn't really have a script, so it was really important that that, that uh, document was created. Uh, it helped a lot. Um, we were able to do, you know, virtual boards, you know, physical boards and put them all around the offices so that people got the into the vibe of Wakanda as the illustrators. I had five illustrators drawing different costume ideas where I could circle things and put post-its on things and show them, you know, here is the indigenous tribes of Africa. Here is the Himba tribe. Here's the Tuareg. Here's the Indibele. And, you know, they were all huge boards throughout the office. And I would bring a board into the design room and I'd put it on a tripod in front of someone's desk uh, where they're doing their computer illustrations. And I'd have post-its and I'd say, you know, this is the headpiece, this is the that. And so they they really had some inspiration to draw from as we were communicating uh, about the uh, particular costume that they were um, illustrating for me. And so then we get to the big presentation uh, phase and I have... Wakandan groups done. I, I did the I did the tribes and group uh, illustrations as well as the cast in their costumes for Casino and for CIA Blockside and you know it's like so many factions to the story. It never stayed in one place. Yeah. And so that was really hard, but we had to start with the research, and we went as f- from the indigenous tribes of Africa to. 
high fashion. Mm. And so we had images of Miyaki and uh, Gareth Pugh and Rick Owens and, you know, the designers that are kind of forward thinking. Yeah. Uh, we had Caldar, who uh, not only did he do the famous mobiles, but he also was a jewelry designer and his work looked very, very much forward and forward thinking. So we were looking at all of that and, 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 and African jewelry um, and, and beadwork and, you know, what what was the signature thing about each each uh, area that we were looking at and how can we infuse that in a more futuristic model? So you've been listening to the show. You've been thinking, boy, I need to create my own website to show off all of my amazing costume designs. Maybe maybe you want to be a costume designer like Ruth Carter, our, our guest this week. And maybe you want to like have a place to put your sketches, to have a place for people to look at them, to have a place maybe even for people to buy your, your impressive costumes or baseball caps or whatever it is you're designing. And that's where Squarespace comes in. It's a place where you can turn your cool idea costumes into a new website. You can showcase your work. You can blog or publish content. You can sell products and services of all kinds. You can promote a business. You can announce an upcoming event or special project and so much more. So Squarespace does this by giving you beautiful templates created by world-class designers. They've got e-commerce functionality, lets you sell anything online. You can customize the look, the feel, the settings, the products, and more with just a few clicks. And everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. And you can also buy a domain there. You can uh, choose from over 200 extensions. You've got analytics. You've got built-in search engine optimization. And there's free and secure hosting with 24-7 award-winning customer support. So go out there. Make your website, make your costumes, make your dreams come true. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code INTERESTING to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Use your free trial, and then when you're ready to save 10% off your first purchase, it's interesting is the offer code. So once again, squarespace.com, the offer code is INTERESTING, 10% off. Have a great time. I I think that you're going to make some great stuff. When you're doing something like Wakanda, you can do anything you want because it's a fic- completely fictional place. Were there what were the limits you set for yourself? What were the things you said? Okay, we're not going to do that. Okay, we're not going to. Uh, it's not the Lion King. Yeah, it's got to be real. Um, it's uh, we're 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 not going to try to make up the tech because then it's going to date the film. And it's going to be corny. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to leave the tech up to the visual effects uh, people who are expert at that. Um, we're going to uh, try to include at all times elements of Wakanda that are unlike anything else in the world. So we'll take our inspiration and we'll make it Wakandan by adding vibranium uh, or the heart shape herb, you know, influence or, you know, some in some manner. Um, we're, you know, those are some of the things. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I assume that you had a practical versions of the suit of mm-hmm. the, of the Black Panther suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you make something like that, that an actor can be in without, you know, feeling completely claustrophobic? Oh, uh, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. Uh, well, well, we did do some things. One, uh, in the helmet, we were the, the eyes and the nose were able to pop off. Mm-hmm. So they could add it in uh, post in VisFX so that Chadwick could breathe. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. <laughs> the new suit was thinner, mm-hmm. um, lighter, and we worked really hard to make it more comfortable for him. So he could actually be in it all day and sit in the set, you know, in his chair legs crossed with, you know, his helmet off as the Black Panther and be kind of comfortable. Yeah. Uh, because it, t- it takes a lot to get on. He has a muscle suit. He has all this stuff, you know. So it takes about three guys to help him into the suit. Wow. Wow. So we don't want him to take it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a process. Um, one of the things uh, that my, my wife pointed this out to me, I did not notice it, but color, the color... Uh, almost like different characters are wear different certain colors mm-hmm. very consistently. How did you um, 
come up with sort of that language for the film? Brian Coogler came up with that language okay. and he guided me in that way. And I feel like that is the beauty of trusting their director and, and, you know, hearing him and you, even if you may not understand it, you know, uh, you just trust. <laughs> so, uh, he came up with a color. So for the Royal palace, it was purple. He said, uh, Ramonda was from the Zulu tribe. So I gave her a Zulu married woman's hat, which I had printed like, you know, in 3d printing. Um, so that it was perfectly cylindrical. Um, he was the person who said the River Tribe would be green and Lupita would wear green. He has a good fashion sense. It's like, you know, it's nice when you like the fashion sense of the leader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he also said that the Dora, we would stick with the comics um, version of the Dora being red. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, we, you know, so he actually came up with that concept. And, you know, once it was presented to me, I kind of, I went through the plethora of reds and the plethora of greens and tried to bring composition to their whole arc. Yeah. One of the other interesting things about this movie is you also are, as you mentioned, you're designing stuff for outside of Wakanda. Like yeah. there are significant sections set in Oakland, yeah. in, in Korea, yeah. uh, throughout the world. Do you, what do you enjoy about designing for contemporary instead of fantasy mm -hmm. or period? Like what, what's, mm -hmm. what's fun about that for you? It's all fantasy. That's what makes it fun. You know, you can imagine yourself, you know, wearing the hottest designers, you know, wear or you can, you know, create a, a world that is, you know, poor. Um, what you've seen in your mind's eye as you travel through your own life. Um, have things that you you feel dear and dear to, you can make them come to life when in in contemporary um, with the with Korea South Korea. We actually I have an illustrator who teaches in South Korea, and I called her up and I was like, "We're gonna have hanbok in the casino. Can you get me some hanbok?" She was like, "I know a hanbok designer. Mm. We're gonna have her do it." And so you know that that part of it is just kind of exploration and it's fun it's 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 all about storytelling yeah so that's even though it's contemporary uh you just don't want to take things off the rack and say you know here this looks great on you right go to set you know right i think that that is a misconception a lot of people have which is that contemporary costume design is like you know you go to a store and buy some clothes mm -hmm. what is the process of if, especially if you're doing like a film set entirely contemporary what's the process of like when you're coming up with costumes for that um, that process is really the same. Research, uh, illustrations, boards, communication, um, uh, the transformation process in the fitting room with the actor, um, consultation, um, really kind of knowing what an actor is going after. I remember working a long time ago with Jeffrey Wright and, you know, he really wanted the clothes when he touched them to feel like it was right on his body, you know? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you have to be a, um, a good listener. I like to call it, you know, you know, go back to your psychology one-on-one -on -one in college and go, yeah, okay. This person has the floor. And, you know, you need to give them a wide berth sometimes so that you can understand what it is that they're looking for. And then once you understand that, you can mold it. Mm. What, what's that note, notes process like when it gets to the actor, when the actor's like, this doesn't feel right or this is, you know. Yeah. And sometimes I'm in there saying this doesn't feel like it doesn't look like I thought it was going to look. Oh, my God. And they're like, yeah, maybe we can. You know, it's collaborative. Um, and sometimes, uh, especially with contemporary, you know, it, it's it's rare the real good actor that wants to dictate what they're wearing. Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of the ones that are really good, they're focused on their character and they really want you to help them get to that point that they feel like the costume reflects the character building that they have in their mind. Yeah. So you're 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 sometimes talking about fashion and you're sometimes dealing with fashion. I sometimes make my, my I I did Gal Gadot in uh keeping up with the Joneses mm -hmm. and I loved her fitting room that I set up, you know, because she's this beautiful woman that could wear anything and so I was like, let's get everything. <laughs> So, uh, but, but she came in and she was interested in character as well. And yeah. we, within the fashion offerings, we found character. Yeah. Yeah. You were with 
Spike Lee at the very start at his his first handful of films when mm-hmm. he was just making them for tiny budgets. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people now who are starting out who are trying to get costumes for their low budget films, like what are your what are your what's your advice to them? What do you remember from those days that you yeah. think still holds true? Yeah. Um, you know, don't be afraid to go in their closets. Don't feel like, you know, it's a downgrade. Um, you gotta do a little bit of everything. Um you know, sometimes you may not have multiples and you have to go to the thrift stores, you know, and get something that's really awesome <laughs> and believe in it when you find it. And don't be afraid to put it out there. Um, kind of, That's how a lot of things are kind of done. You you do want to be in, in you know, have your your thinking cap on about, you know, what can I do that's different? And so you might have to, you know, think beyond you know, the obvious and silkscreen something, you know, don't be afraid to take something new and break it down and yeah. age it and throw some dirt on it uh, because that just adds character. Yeah. You know, if something has a hole in it, it's okay. That just adds character. Uh, I remember giving Delroy Lindo and Malcolm X a hat that had like, like a sweat stain around the band. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and he's like, no, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. When you look at something like that versus something like Black Panther, like what I think Black Panther is probably the largest budget movie you've worked on. Yeah. Like what is like what's the main difference in what money can buy you? It's never enough. Mm -hmm. It's all relative. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we say we need 20 Panther suits in order to get through all the fights and stunt scenes and every second unit. And they say you can only make six. Mm -hmm. And then you go, wow, we don't have enough. Mm -hmm. You know, our budget is $5 million, but we don't have enough. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it's kind of all relative, you know. So there's a great part of it that you maintain from your independent days where you go, hey, I think I can do it with six, you know. Um, Let's just think like this, you know. A lot of times we want to rely on having, you know, more. So, you know, it makes our day easier and our job easier. But one of the beauties of uh, coming from independent films is that you actually do think like, uh, you know, an independent filmmaker and like, how can we do this? Yeah, we do need to build it and it costs $350,000 to make one Panther suit, which is more budget than like some of my movies <laughs> but um how can we do this like in, in with the six if that's all they're giving us yeah you know, we don't want to like walk away from the project like i cannot yeah you know sometimes having those restrictions helps too like i talked to uh ava duvernay before selma came out and she was talking about how go, coming from indie film helped her realize we can do this movie for less than everybody mm-hmm. thinks we mm-hmm. can like do you find like do you set limitations for yourself I try not to because I don't feel like that is really the true artisan who wants to create uh, without boundaries. Mm -hmm. So my first attempt is to create without boundaries and not thinking about money or thinking about locations or anything like that. I want to go on the journey that the script is sending me on. I read it with that in mind. And um, and that's why I think a lot of times you want to hear what the budget is before you do a budget. And you're like, well, how much do you have? And they're like, how much do you need? Well, how much do you have? Well, how much do you need? And you go back and forth like that. And then you go, okay, just put the budget out there, you know. Yeah. And uh, then they tell you they have like a third of that. And yeah. you go, okay, well, then let's dial back. I had some ideas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you've mentioned a number of times how much you like collaboration. But how do you handle is inevitable in any collaboration. The moment when there's conflict, the moment when when you're like, I think this is what we need. And the director or the star, whoever's like, no, I, I don't want to do that. I, I think this is what we need. Because it's a triangle, you know, mm-hmm. there's a director, there's you, and there's an actor. You're bound to have somebody on your side. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just, you want to be on the right side of it. Um uh, there's a conflict, but, you know, there's always a good argument. Mm-hmm. And I think you can't be afraid to present the good argument. And right. and as an artist, you got to learn to let go right. if you don't win. So when you let go and you stand back and look at it, sometimes you see it differently. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you might have it just so ingrained in your head that this is the way it should be. And then somebody like a director shows you this is a better idea. This is the way I'm going because they really, really have a lot more at stake, you know, lighting and all kinds of things, story um, that sometimes we forget. We sometimes want to present something like so great in costume world that we forget sometimes that, you know, oh, wait a minute, this doesn't work for the story as yeah, much. I, I was you, you saying that, I was going to ask, do you think a costume can be so good it detracts from the story? Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Absolutely. It's it for, and I would say for the Black Panther, it was really hard to walk that balance because everyone, even the background, had to be from someplace. Yeah. <laughs> so they all had to have a story they're from East Africa. They're from South Africa. They're from the Tuareg. They're from the border tribe. So everybody was like on equal status in some ways. And your eye could actually rove around. So for me as an artist, I, I have to try to find the balance between who's in front and who's behind. Yeah. And that's really difficult mm. at times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, when you are working on a project like this, do you, how closely do you talk to like the other people who are designing stuff for the film, makeup and hair, uh, you know, set designers, cinematographer, like what, what are those conversations like? We're constantly conversing, especially on the Black Panther. Um, Hannah um, Beekler was so much fun to be around, to have around. She's super smart. Mm-hmm. Um, she would come and visit the wardrobe department and she would scream at things and, you know, just like fall off, fall on the ground. And, you know, you're like, oh, we got it right, huh? Um, and then we'd go into meetings and she'd show her deck of, you know, sets and beautiful scenery and you know you're communicating about you know the 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 ground in Wakanda is the clay the red clay the oxidized uh, soil and you're inspired you're really inspired and then uh and then Rachel uh she shows a presentation on how she's planning to light it with you know whether it's saturation and deep contrast and it that's also exciting as well so it informs uh you when you select something on how it will have a luminosity how it will work within the framework of the set. And um, and then you're presenting to Ryan and to Marvel, and they've been shown the same things that Hannah and Rachel have done, so they get it too, you know? Yeah. And everybody is kind of, you know, moving through the art. Yeah. So it's an ongoing process. You know, sometimes it's some things happen, you know, just by accident. Um, but I feel like that's your subconscious uh, brain kind of taking over and you kind of get it. Right, right. One of the things, uh, this may be a stupid question, so I'm going to ask a stupid question. Never, never a stupid question. One of the things I, I have been fascinated by with Ryan Coogler is he likes to work with women uh, yeah. on his movies. He's had women as his DPs on all three of his movies, which is very unusual. He has He's worked with women production designers, mm-hmm. uh, women costume designers, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And he like says that he likes that because it gives him a perspective he won't necessarily have. He Ooh. said that in interviews. Yeah, he's so smart. Um, I'm wondering, uh, you know, costume designers frequently are women. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, but I'm wondering, like, do you when you get to work in a creative team that has mm-hmm. a lot of women in it, do mm-hmm. you think that changes the energy or the the emotional group mm-hmm. intelligence on set or something mm-hmm. like that? Um, I've worked with a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. And um, and so when I get a chance to work with women, it, um, it kind of frees me from the bounds, the boundaries of sexy, gotta be sexy, gotta be, you know, long hair and, you know, all of that. It frees me. Mm-hmm. Even though we're all concerned about being attractive and beautiful. Right. It, it, it doesn't have that component um, because we got that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it takes things a step further, you know. Yeah. I'm I, I'm not you know being told to put her in you know a man's uh, button down shirt mm. with you know a nice bra and underneath or whatever. So that part of it is gone, and you know we we will automatically do that because when we stand in front of the mirror, we want to look beautiful. But our view of ourselves is much more intense and much more diverse and dimensional than just that. Right, right. And that, I think, is the biggest difference. Mm. Hiring. 
Every business needs great people. Yes, even the Black Panther needs great people. And a better way to find those great people, something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. So ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way. So they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. And I assume if you are the Black Panther listening to this, you need people with like martial arts training. ZipRecruiter can help with that. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. So right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash think. That's right, ZipRecruiter.com slash think. ZipRecruiter.com slash think to try it for free. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. You've done a lot of uh, period work in mm-hmm. addition, you know, movies, 40s, 50s, 60s, that sort of thing. Is there a particular period you love designing for? And then the corollary to that, is there a period you would love to design for that you haven't gotten to yet? Well, you know, today I was thinking about, wow, somebody said, how does it feel to have, you know, done so many films that, you know, speak to historical relevance in Black uh, African-American culture? And I was like, wow, I can actually line them up and go from slavery and the embarkment in this country to um, the 20s with Rosewood and Don Cheadle and go all the way up through like even the 70s with Black Dynamite. And mm-hmm. then I've got, you know, for civil rights films, I can take it into contemporary times, thinking about Shaft and rebooting um, you know, that and being Mary Jane and... Um, so I think that I st- what it's not the period it's the story. Yeah. And so I I like a good character. I like an actor who is very thoughtful. I like a director that really wants detail and and I'm going to say collaboration again. Mm. Um, but that's the thing that the thing that I want to continue to do mm-hmm. um, because I've touched on a lot of periods. You know, Gibson Girl would be fun. You know, uh, Moulin Rouge would be great mm. uh, if I get those. But yeah. right now, it's just story. Talking about tracing uh, the black experience in America, but also then in kind of this uh, in Wakanda uh, being an African melting yeah. pot, as we talked about, like. What have you learned about that experience from looking at the clothes? Uh, I just feel that we are um, presenting Africa in a way that I think people have forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the dark continent. It's yeah. modern. Mm-hmm. It's vibrant. It's relevant. It has a story. Uh, it's a gigantic continent that has... You know, East Africa is different from North Africa, is different from South Africa. Um, it still has the indigenous look of a lot of the tribes. You can go to Africa and find someone from the Himba tribe with her leather drape on, you know, walking with the cattle. Uh, but she's going to ask you for $10 if you want to take her picture. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but if you go to Cape Town or you go to J- Joburg, you, you could be in Saint-Tropez. Mm-hmm. So if you're in Joburg, you could be in Brooklyn. Yeah. And people don't realize that. So I feel like this film is reawakening that consciousness that people have forgotten. Yeah. We think of Paris. We think of fashion. We think of London. We think of the royal family and all that. We think of Africa. We think of a a hut. Mm. And and now, you know, we're trying to say, no, let's Mm. rethink that. Yeah. And, And that's what I that's what I love most about. Black Panther. It's really giving us a fantasy to spin off of. And, you know, we all really needed a superhero to come come into the fray um, and, you know, be a positive energy, mm-hmm. you know. When you work on something like Amistad or Malcolm X or uh, even Selma and Marshall, you know, closer to the present, how does that help you engage with your own, with your own past, with, with you know, America's history with 
black citizens? Um, You know, I love telling our history. Uh, I just did Marshall with Chadwick Boseman. I was on Marshall when I got the Black Panther. And, you know, I started uh, researching like photographers and Teeny Harris was one that came up. And I loved looking at the images of, you know, blacks in in the cities in the 40s. And so, you know, it just reminds me that, you know, I have a past, I have an origin, I have a family. Mm. And uh, their stories um, need to continue to be told. Um, it kind of enriches me as a, you know, a light-skinned black girl from Virginia um, who, ha- you know, has a story about, you know, coming, you know, to this country, you know, not in my generation, but my grandparents, great-grandparents, and that story sometimes is forgotten. Mm-hmm. So, you know, personally for me, it's um, it's 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 a historical um, uh, uh, journey um, that I'm, that, that is a voice in my platform, you know, and that's what I enjoy the most about doing it. You mentioned getting Black Panther, which made me think of something that I'm, I'm always curious about. How do you get jobs? Like, do you have an agent? Do you audition for stuff? Do you? Yeah, I have an agent. Um, I try to say that I'm going to be watching, like, you know, when Sundance comes around or any of those film festivals, I'll be like, oh, I'm going to watch, you know, 50 independent films and I'm going to know who's up and coming. But it's really hard to do that when you're working. So you need an agent that, you know, has that faction in their company that can talk to you about, you know, some of the cool directors that are and writers and cool movies to go see, mm-hmm. uh, like Mudbound and, and was or Moonlight. Um, so I have an agent and they usually call me and let me know when there's an inquiry. Uh, also, they let me know what things are in development, you know, um, and it's a combination of things. So I, I stay in touch with the filmmakers that I've worked with in the past. And sometimes they tell me when they have something coming up, usually when they tell me uh, it's coming up, they'll say it's coming up next month and it doesn't happen for mm. like the next eight months. So, yeah. you know, my when my agent says it, then I know it's real. <laughs> <laughs> Who are some directors that you've never worked with that you think have just great fashion sense that you love to see the costumes in their movies? Oh, um, directors? Um, or designers. Oh, yeah, oh, designers. Um, Mark Bridges, mm. um, who, Alan Mirajnik, uh, uh, you know, they've got, you know, um, Colleen Atwood. I mean, mm. you can go across the top tier. Yeah. Um, and then as you go into uh, other designers that do more independent films, uh, I have a few protégés out there that mm. are doing films. Rita McGee is another one. And her sister, Alita, they do great work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I admire some of the fashion designers, too, um, that um, that I think uh, bring a little bit of costuming to their their lines of clothes, like they really have a cool sensibility. And artists, you know, Akapata Ruga is a very costumey kind of an artist. Um, and Gareth Pugh is a great, great uh, fashion designer and artist. Mm-hmm. So I, I follow them all. I love them all. They're all my fan. I'm a fan of all of them. You've done some television as well. What, mm-hmm. What's kind of the difference there other than just like the speed of it? I just did Yellowstone with Taylor Sheridan, who did Wind River and and, uh, Hell or High Water. Mm -hmm. And um, he wrote every episode and directed every episode. (laughs) And I could see that he was a very amazing person and artist and had so many stories to tell he was just that guy mm-hmm. and um so even though it's television and the difference is that it's a freight train mm-hmm. you know you're thinking on your feet all the time quickly quickly uh i challenge myself uh when i, I do television because i want to prove to myself that i can think that fast uh, but when you're working with someone like taylor you uh, want to go on the ride because you know he's going to bring something awesome mm-hmm. You know, really awesome to the direction, uh, to the story, and he's going to pick, you know, really cool actors to play different roles. And you're going to meet all kinds of amazing people 
all the time. Every episode has a new host of challenges and but interesting people. And I think that's where, you know, for me, if I do television, I have to have that component that, you know, I'm on the ride and I'm engaged. Yeah. Uh, and you're you're so engaged when you're finally done. You're like, oh, man, I haven't brushed my teeth in a week. No, it's mm. not quite that bad, but it's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're kind of coming into the end of the show, but I did want to ask sort of you've worked with Spike Lee so mm-hmm. many times. You've worked on almost all of his projects. Mm-hmm. When you work with a director that often, do you come to have kind of a second language? Do you Can you kind of anticipate what he's going to want? Um, You have the language of knowing the person and knowing what's important to them. Uh, Every script is different. Every project is going to be a little different. So, you know, I think that they have the shorthand of communicating with you. (laughs) And so they tell you right away, I want to see this, this, this and that. That's pretty much how it goes with Spike. He wants to see certain things and certain things are very important to him. So with that in mind, you kind of move forward and you do what you do and you present. And when you know he's... um, uh, interested in seeing, uh, you know, what your ideas are. And yeah. he's always asking, what are your ideas for this? What are your ideas for that? So you're constantly doing like little presentations for him. Um, and then as you get into the shooting schedule, you know, he's like, you know, he is like in all kinds of uh, areas, you know, mm-hmm. he just immerses himself in the process of filmmaking. So he could be at base camp, he could be, you know, on set, you know, writing a scene, but, you know, calling for you. And usually when he calls me to set, you know, like every AD is like, Ruth, 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 Spike wants you on the set. And I'm always on my way asking, do you know what it's about? Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? Because I kind of want to prepare myself, you know, for whatever this trick thing is going to be. And usually, you know, it's just something that has to do with, you know, color or he wants to show me what so-and-so is doing with the set that's coming up or so because he's really immersed in the process. Yeah. Of the Black Panther costumes, which is the one you would most like to have in your own closet? Oh, the Dora. Yeah. I got to have a Dora suit. <laughs> I got to walk to Starbucks in that daggone Dora suit. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, we end every episode by asking our guests some of the same questions. So I'm going to ask you those. And I'm going to start with who is the designer or artist or just sort of visual uh, person that you've learned the most from that you've never met? Oh, that I've never met. Yeah, they, they can be dead or alive. Oh God. Oh, um, 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 um. Ooh, there is an art, probably a visual artist. <laughs> That's going to be a visual artist that I never met, and um, I would like to talk to Romare Bearden. Mm, what's that? Because his collages are uh, so storytelling and so beautifully composed. Um, he uses a lot of color. Uh, he uses people. He went from the South to the city to New York, Harlem. I feel like we had similar journeys. When I look at his picture, I feel like he and I are relatives. Mm. And um, I want to sit down with him in his studio while he composes a collage. And I want to help him cut out some of the shapes. Mm. What was the last uh, movie you saw or book you read or TV show you saw? And, and what, what did you think? of it just so the last yeah. pop culture thing you did oh 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 dear white people yeah what'd you think of that i just thought it was just so well written and composed so well i love the cast uh, i like the funny issues um i usually you know i can binge watch it and uh you know laugh and you know, get into how inclusive it is as well. Uh, I feel like sometimes titles like scare, scare people away and it it really does embrace uh, embrace everyone. And uh, so that's off the top of my head. That's mm. one that comes to mind. And finally, do you like to revisit your own work? Do you like to go back and look at it? Or once it's done, do you move past it? I can't look at my work and be objective until I've seen it like three or four times. And sometimes I'm not really objective until maybe a year later. Yeah. So if I'm, you know, channel surfing and one of my films is on, you know, Cinemax or something, I'll buy it and I'll watch it. And I actually find that, oh, what, you know, sometimes what was said about it may have not been fair at the time and that it was actually a good film and relevant. And I feel like the film, like, do the right thing. Every time I watch it, I see something else. And and 
today it's so relevant, like we did it so long ago, and it still has so, so many hidden meanings that, you know, I could watch it. And then there are other things I go, ah, let me fast forward. <laughs> well, that's a great note to end on, Ruth Carter. Thank you for joining us. Black Panther is in theaters. Thank you. The costume designer for I Think You're Interesting is my wife who laid out this shirt I'm wearing this morning and said, this shirt is clean. You can wear that one. Thank you, honey. You are a wonderful costume designer. But the show is hosted and executive produced by Todd Vanderwerf. In case you hadn't guessed, that's me. Vox Podcasting is headed up by Marty Moe and Jackie Goldstein. Our executive producer of audio is Nishat Kurwa. Our sound designer is Miles Ewell. Our logo design is thanks to Victor Ware, Crystal Stevens, and Georgia Cowley. Our production manager is Alex Allreich. Our production coordinator is Carrie Clements. Our audio engineering is thanks to P3 Post. And our studio is also thanks to P3 Post in beautiful Hollywood, California. Our editor is Peter Leonard. Our recording engineer, as always, is Jay Brooks. You can rate, review, and subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or some other platform I've never heard of. Please do so. It helps us get the word out. It helps people find out about the show. And it helps us continue to get great guests. You can also email me at Todd at Vox.com if you have something you want to tell me that you don't want to put in a review. Or you can email the entire show at ityi.podcast at Vox.com. That's it.podcast at Vox.com. You can also tweet at me at TVOTI to vote. We will be back next week with somebody else from the world of arts and entertainment, media and culture, somebody who I think is interesting. And uh, I'm not going to say who it is because we don't have it nailed down yet, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, if, if it's not, just pretend that this that I never said any of this. But until then, make sure that if you're wearing a superhero suit that covers your face, you like have a way you can breathe because that's really important. Don't suffocate out there, superheroes. 